Well, as we're knocking on the door of another weekend, let's kick it off with, an, with another edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gommerson. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you. And as we often do, today we are going to uh, take a break from what we what I consider our regularly scheduled program, just to kind of uh, discuss some pressing issues in the um culture uh, that we find ourselves in here in the United States. We're going to talk about such issues as the sanctity of marriage, um, homeschooling and parental rights, and a little bit, not too much, but a little bit about the 2016 presidential election. So I hope that as we dig into the, the topics on this podcast that you will find it informative and if you do find it informative, if you agree or if you disagree, um, uh, you know, as long as you're civil, we want to hear from you all of your feedback, positive or negative. It's the only way that we can grow this podcast is to know what you, the listener, think of it and what you'd like to hear and what we can do better or what we have done well. And as a content creator, both in a blog and with my podcast, I can't tell you how much feedback means i have a couple people uh one person in particular that's really good about giving feedback but i'd like to have you know 15 or 20 more of you uh and i want my facebook page at facebook.com slash speaking for him to be a place where we can have conversations about the topics which we discuss so please visit there and like it and feel free to leave questions comments whatever uh, all right, well, before we digress too much, let's dig in today, and let's start with our quote of the day. And this comes from God's Word. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. That's James one five. All right, and I picked this... Uh, this uh, verse, because even though we've talked about wisdom on the podcast before, uh, a lot of these issues that we're going to talk about today, or pretty much all the issues we're going to talk about today, uh, require a lot of wisdom when dealing with them. They're not something that you can just kind of, uh, you know, pop off a response. Because even sometimes the right response to an issue, as far as uh, espousing the biblical standard, can be done in an unbiblical way. We need to make sure that we are sharing the truth, but that we are also uh, sharing the truth in love. And that can be a very uh, tough line to walk. It can be hard to see. Um, I've been called a hater um, just for espousing biblical views. So just because you are sharing the truth in love doesn't mean that people will love you back. But it's still important. So as we dig in, just keep that in mind. The first thing I want to talk about today is the sanctity of marriage. We've talked about this also again um, in the past on the podcast. And depending on when you're hearing this, the Supreme Court of the United States is either close to or has made a determination on the legal definition of our country. Uh, what we are facing is the possibility of another Roe versus Wade, where uh, in in the years leading up to 1973. Um, the majority of states voted to ban or at least greatly restrict abortion 
uh, for un- to save the lives, to protect the rights of the unborn child. And what happened on January 22nd, 1973, was that a group of nine judges took up the issue of abortion. The majority opinion was that abortion fit in the privacy um, the privacy requirements of the United States Constitution. And so all of those state-level uh, things that we voted on, Michigan actually voted in, in 1972 to, I don't know if it was an outright ban, I think it was pretty much a ban of abortion. And then in one decision by the Supreme Court, it was wiped out. And that's really what we're facing on this marriage issue, um, is the possibility that uh, 32 states who have said marriage needs to be between needs to be established as between one man and one woman. Uh, those 32 states' opinion apparently doesn't matter to a lot of people, and the Supreme Court could very easily wipe those out with one declaration that uh, gay marriage has to indeed be legal. So we need to be prepared to continue to address. Um, this issue with love, but also truthfully and biblically. You know, people say that um, Jesus didn't say a lot about um, gay marriage, or the Bible doesn't say gay marriage is wrong, but this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 20, or Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, about marriage. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and so as i've said multiple times and i will probably say again because this is such an important issue to me this is it why is a man supposed to leave his father and mother he's supposed to leave his father and mother so that he can be joined to his wife and they can be one flesh. The Bible says that God made man, God made mankind male and female. Male and female, he created them. And then he brought them together in marriage and blessed it. And so often it's, it's not about what is said so much as what is not said that shares with us the truth. And there you know, our our republic here in the United States was established largely on self-evident truths. The the founding fathers said we hold these truths to be self-evident, um, that we have liberties endowed by our Creator, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These were self-evident truths. They didn't have to be extremely dialogued about because they were evident to all. And now we've come to a place where no truth is evident. And so we have to go the legislative route and spell it out um, by the detail because we've decided that these self-evident truths no longer are so. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this first issue, Adam? Um, I I think that, um, you know, sticking to God's word is the biggest one. That sounds like such a generic answer, but it's it's so important because, you know, it, it's hard when you see maybe you have a family member in your own life right now listening that uh, they're 
you know, maybe maybe they're gay and and you see them and it seems like everything is 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 good and and you're like, well, why can't they be together? But you know, there's a way God made it, and it's not to say that this person is 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 bad or a waste because they're they're making these decisions or because they struggle with these feelings. But God made a man and a woman for marriage for a reason. And, you know, it, it would be like when you wear a life jacket for a reason. It, it's not just to wear it because, you know, God or your parents wanted to know you or something. <laughs> there's a reason for it. There's there's a safety for it. So it, it's hard in this day and age where it seems like it's no big deal and it's so promoted. But going back to that verse from James where it's saying, you know, God brought the man and woman together for a reason to start a family, um, to do what he called us to do. Uh, just thinking a little deeper about it. It makes a big difference. Yes, absolutely. And I will admit that there are times when, at least on a human level, it would be easy to say, well, just let them do what they want. But, you know, if we have no standards, if we have no rules, the world is chaos. Um, and people will say, well, don't force your morality down my throat. And I, another thing I've said on this podcast is that it's something that people say. But the thing is, we have to have a standard or there is no rule. If everything is right and nothing is wrong, then suddenly there are no laws and there is no justice because there's no reason to punish anybody for breaking the law. And like Adam said, the law is not, as some of us may feel at times, to restrict us. It actually is to liberate us because God knows what is best. And on this issue of uh, gay marriage, I know people will, will disagree with me and they'll say that I'm wrong when I say this, but I love everyone to the best of my human ability, which is not as much as God does, but I endeavor to love everyone. Um, but I have a serious difference of conviction on this issue. And just to give you an idea of, um, the difference between the way some of those people act and the way Christians tend to respond, I, you know, another aspect of this is the way that people get discriminated against for their biblical stands on marriage. Um, like there was a, there was, um, there've been people that have been forced out of business because they won't, um, cater, uh, to a gay wedding. Um, there was actually a pizza place that was, uh, greatly, uh, discriminated against because they said we wouldn't cater a gay wedding. And I thought, well, this must be a real wedding and these people are, are really upset, but it wasn't even real. It was a hypothetical. They simply asked them to answer honestly, what would you do in this case? And they said, we couldn't support it, but they're willing to serve anyone day in and day out. But it's a particular instance that goes against their beliefs that they don't want to participate in. And, you know, it's all right for, for them to voice their opinion. But if I say, you know, obviously there are hateful ways to say that. Like, if I were to say God doesn't like you or God hates you 
or God doesn't care about you, that would be wrong. God does care about you. God sent his one and only son to die for everyone, whether they are uh, gay, whether they are straight, whether they struggle in other areas, God sent him for everyone. But he, when he comes into a life, he doesn't leave us where we are. He, he changes us. And so I want to encourage everyone, whatever situation you're in in life, to embrace God and to let him change you and make you better because he can and only he can. Without him, our hearts are evil. Um, but we need to be aware that it's all right, especially in the freedom that we uh, have in our country, to express differing opinions. And I, I'm not um, going around uh, telling people they can't have their opinion for gay marriage. I'm just saying that it need, that you need to respect those who don't agree with you, and you need to not take the majority opinion of 32 states who voted on this issue and throw it up to judges who can wipe it out in one decision. That is that is a wrong interpretation of the Constitution of the United States of America. And it is just a wrong direction for us to go. Um, and I could go on for a little bit longer on this issue, but I'm not going to. I'm going to move on to our next issue. And that is... Um, dealing with uh, homeschooling and parental rights. Um, um, and we're going to start with a story that I saw about um, backlash from a public school because a dad wanted to take his children out of school to take them to Boston for the Boston Marathon. And what we're going to do is we're going to just listen to this news story uh, that I have pulled up. Uh, YouTube clip, and then I'm going to comment on it. Montgomery County family's vacation called into question by their children's school principal. And it's not sitting well with those parents. Fox 29's Chris O'Connell joins us now with a story that's going viral. Chris. Hey guys, it's a question many parents of school kids struggle with. When is it appropriate to pull your children out of school for a family vacation? Well, one family's decision to take a trip came with a price. For years, Mike Rossi has been training for one day. Boston is the, uh, the holy grail for runners. Pursuing his dream of running in a Boston marathon, he was so dedicated, even a last-minute injury and a death to his grandmother gave him extra incentive to run and have his wife and kids right by his side. This has been a big, big thing for our family, and uh, you know it was really important for me to have them there and, and you know to cross that finish line and then to be standing there when I crossed and watch me finish was priceless. But the excitement of getting this medal went silent after this came in the mail, a stern letter from the kid's principal at Rydell Elementary School. I didn't like the tone of it. According to school policy, the family vacation to Boston was a no-no. The days off considered unexcused absences for his two third graders. Although the school knew about the trip, even assigned homework. The policy stinks, <laughs> in my opinion. So Rossi posted this letter to Facebook with his own biting response to the principal. It was never sent to school, but it went viral online, shared thousands of times. You know, it struck a chord with a lot of parents. Fox 29 spoke with the superintendent of Abington Schools. She tells us, while we understand the value of a family trip, we follow the letter of state law. We love the school. We love, adore our teachers. Uh, we moved 
to this town for the school district. The district website clearly says family trips will always be recorded as unexcused. Rossi says his kids learned more in three days in Boston than weeks in a classroom. We did the Boston Tea Party and went to where the Boston Massacre was, walked the Freedom Trail, visited Samuel Adams' grave, saw the USS Constitution. Rossi hopes schools could change the policy for trips like this. Either way, he says he wouldn't change a thing. This was a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Well, too many excused absences from school could get a parent fined. It turns out that Rossi was, in his words, called to the principal's office. He has a meeting tomorrow to talk about that policy with the principal, guys. All right, interesting story. All right, well, you heard the story there. Uh, father um, is going to run, was going to run in the Boston Marathon, decided to take his kids out of school um, to take them on what clearly became a very educational trip. And then the school um, gave them this letter about how the absence would be unexcused. Now, the first thing I want to point out about this is it, is it doesn't, I don't remember if it says it exactly in the video story, but I read that the teachers actually gave the kids homework to do while they were on the trip. So it's kind of like a backhanded thing where it seems almost like the school approved of it by giving homework. So it wasn't like this expectation, like you're not going to do any work. But then at the end of it said, well, you're going to be unexcused because it goes against the policy of the school. And, you know, this is a, this is kind of a tough episode to do because I know that I'm putting myself out there with a lot of my views. This is a serious episode. And it may be offensive to some, but I feel the need to to speak my mind. One thing that has always bothered me about the public school is that we give the government, whether state, local, or federal, whatever it falls exactly, we give the government the right to school our kids. And then when they want to teach our kids what we don't want them to know, or when they want to impose things like this on them where they will get um, unexcused absences or marks against their record for going on a family trip, then we have problems. But we've kind of asked for that problem when we allow the public schools to teach our kids. It's kind of like with the whole vaccination issue. Vaccination is another public school issue. People are saying that if you send your kids to public school, uh, they should be vaccinated. Um, and, and we're not going to get into the whole vaccination debate on this podcast. And I'm not totally against vaccination just for the record. I think that a lot of it should be delayed longer than it is because sometimes people get loaded up with vaccinations when they're way too young, in my opinion. Um, but, but the bigger issue is if you put your kids in public school, you open yourself up to that kind of scrutiny because if they're going to educate your children for free, then they feel entitled, and I guess in a certain sense are entitled, to some of these things. So my biggest thing is, I think it's important for us to take back the education of our children. When did we decide, as a society, more most importantly, that it was the government's job to educate our children? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
And now I'm not totally against the schools. Okay. And some of you may have your kids at public schools that are the exception to these rules. I've heard good stories about public schools, but as an overarching thing, I think it's headed in a, in a bad place because, um, once you give your children over to these teachers and these institutions to teach them, then you definitely surrender a lot of the control over what they will be taught. And we're definitely going, um, full speed toward a place where parental rights are going out the window and we need to be very careful about it. Another issue I wanted to address about uh, this public school is a couple months ago, I saw a story about whether there needed to be more snow days added to the public school calendar because it was another rough winter. We've had two really rough winters in a row. (laughs) Yeah which I was hoping that we would get a break because we had a really bad winter last year, and then we topped it a little bit. I guess overall it might have been a better winter this year, overall speaking, but in February it was the coldest winter on record, and we're talking, uh, I think, since 1900 or 1890. Yeah. <laughs> so recorded history, the coldest winter on record for February, or the coldest month on record for February. So... It was another really rough winter where snow days were tested. And, you know, people were debating both sides of this. And my big thing about this is, once again, um, the biggest problem with people saying we have too many snow days or we need to keep kids in school longer is this idea that gets fostered that the only place you can learn is in the classroom. Um, When really... A lot of people are hands-on learners and you're doing a disservice by putting them in a classroom for hours on end. Um, And we could get into that uh, some more. Uh, We've talked a a little bit about homeschooling on this podcast since Adam and I both are homeschooled and some of the ways that incorporates. But I know as a homeschooled person myself, my parents taught me that every situation is a learning situation, that I should look at every place I go, every experience I have as an opportunity to learn instead of leaving my classroom and saying, I don't have to learn anymore today, which seems to be the way that we're training our kids. And even the way a lot of educators think, hence they're pushing for, uh, not adding more snow days and possibly even having year round school because nine months out of the year isn't good enough because you can't possibly learn on your summer vacation. And again, you know, not everybody feels this way, but that's just um, some of my thoughts about that. And then I will turn it over to Adam for some thoughts on this issue real um, in, a, in a moment. But first, I wanted to mention one last issue on this issue of parental rights. Um, uh, there was an unfortunate incident in the last month or so, maybe two months, where a mother um, killed her children. We won't go into detail about it. But then she mentioned that she was a homeschooler under stress. And so the the result of it was that some Michigan lawmakers were calling for homeschoolers to have to check in with the public school district twice a year to make sure that their kids are being educated correctly. Once again, if you look at the overall of homeschooling, then you'll find that the majority of homeschoolers are 
average to above average because because as a homeschooler, um, your parents can pick um, what to focus on in your education to um, to uh, cater best to your abilities, and so you can flourish rather than being in the typical school system, which is twenty kids in one classroom all learning the same. If you do it well, you're a genius. If you do it poorly, you're stupid. And if you hit the middle, you're average, just based on one curriculum a lot of times. And that does people a, a, a disservice. Um, you know, if a fl- I heard, I think Mark Twain said it this way, or at least this is a paraphrase of what Mark Twain said. If you, everyone's a genius in their own way, um, but if you try to get a fish to climb a tree, He'll think he's stupid all his life (laughs) because fish were not made to climb trees. Fish were made to swim in the water. Um, And so I just think that that analogy is a really good one when it comes to education. All right. As we wrap up this topic, Adam, do you have any thoughts? I would have to say, uh, rewinding back to the uh, public school family that went to Boston, they were told they couldn't and such. I mean, you know, really, the the kids are are the parents. I mean, it's it, it's up to them. I, I thought it was ridiculous when they said that they were going to find parents if the kids missed too many days of school. Now, it's one thing if the parents are neglecting them; they've missed three months of school because they're not raising the children or they're doing things that shouldn't be. That's different. But if you're going on a family trip, I mean, I'd love to go to that teacher principal and say, "You didn't go on any family trips, any school years for twelve years, <laughs> really, ever?" So, I, I definitely, it's it's in the hands of 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 the parents the school is there to help serve the kids and to teach them but it's not there to control them so that's the the kind of my thinking on that line there and then as for homeschooling uh you know i love being homeschooled personally because i got to go at my own pace which was kind of the type of kid i was you know i couldn't keep up especially in math Uh, i'm surprised i didn't get fined by the school district just for trying to do math when i was in school but um you know, homeschooling, it's really not that different. So many times we can look at, oh, public school is so different or homeschooling is so different. But really, it's it's kind of like two churches across the street from each other. They might do things different during the service, but really it's all towards the same goal. You know, homeschoolers are just doing their schoolwork at home, which is funny because if you think about it, in public school, you get homework, which is doing your work at home. So pretty much you're half homeschooled as it is. So, um, you know, there's such this big rift sometimes about public school and homeschool, and really, it's not that different. And, and I and I would have to say, and, and maybe this isn't accurate, but my my I have a hunch that you probably would not be a morning show host at 25 had you not been <laughs> homeschooled, um, because for people that don't homeschool, they don't realize this, but the standards really are high in homeschooling. If you've ever been to a homeschool sporting event, you know that they put on uh, first-class sporting events. If you've ever been involved with homeschool performing arts, which I have, you know that they take theater very seriously. And you sit there and you watch it and you're like, are these high schoolers? You know, at least I have. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of theater. Um, And, you know, the first time I went to an HPA performance, I was a little skeptical, but they put on a first-class performance. So it's not just like, let's all get together, put on a plan, no matter how shoddy it is, we'll call it good. They really teach these kids the skills involved with acting. And if you're a really good actor, then you get the chance to do the lead roles. And um, they try to find a place for everybody. But 
Um, they definitely find really good people for the lead roles. And, and I think that's a good thing because it gives people something to aspire to. You know, if you want a lead role and you haven't had one, maybe you need to work a little harder so that you can have a lead role in the future. You know, as opposed to this, everyone's a winner. Uh, nobody's better than anybody else type of philosophy. And, you know, we're not talking about uh, humility versus pride because there is a certain level on a spiritual level where we're all the same. But there's also this level where if you work hard, if you're diligent in your business, um, like it says in Proverbs, if, you're dil- if you see a man diligent in his business, then he'll stand before kings. He won't stand before common men. Uh, Solomon was just stating fact when he wrote that down. And it's still true today as it was thousands of years ago when he wrote it. So just some things to keep in mind as we are uh, dealing with this thing. Uh, that As we are dealing with these issues of dealing with parental rights and then the school systems. I'm very fortunate to work at, at Potter's House both as a volunteer and a substitute teacher. I think that's a quality school environment. And if for some reason I couldn't homeschool my children, I would be very happy to have them there because it's a very high-quality environment with high-quality teachers who want to teach kids, and the parental involvement is required to be high. That's another thing. They don't expect the teachers to do it all. Um, They actually have volunteer hours that they require of the parents, and I think that's great because it keeps the focus where it needs to be in helping parents give a good education to their kids. A lot of the kids at Potter's House, for example, are in one-parent homes or low-income homes where it's very would be very difficult for them to homeschool. So having the Potter's House is a good alternative. Um, that being said, if the Lord is willing that I have children, I am hoping to homeschool because I, as my parents, take very seriously the mandate of Proverbs 22.6, which I mentioned earlier, which was train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next topic, our final topic of this Issues Update podcast. I hope you found this to be very informative and interesting. If you have, please pass it along. But I just want to talk a little bit about the 2016 election, and particularly uh, the election for president. Uh, we are seeing uh, people, um, it seems like everybody and their brother, at least on the, <laughs> on the Republican side, wants to be president. And there's a lot of quality candidates out there, which I'm kind of excited about. At the same time, I've seen many elections where the really um, good conservative-minded candidates uh, start to split the vote with one another in the primary elections and someone that is more moderate than conservative gets the nomination and then loses. I, I, I Sometimes people say, well, the Republicans, if they want to win, they have to come more to the middle. I always tell people like that, that um, a liberal Democrat or, or, or a liberal, a true liberal is going to, going to beat a moderate every time because the liberal has been liberal longer. And so we need, as we gear up for the election next year, we need to be careful 
that we are praying, that we are active and involved, that we are supporting godly candidates on all levels, not just the presidential. And we need to pray that there be unity so that there could be a solid conservative candidate. And we need to run not to beat the other party. We need to run because we believe that the ideals that we stand for are good and that they're worth voting for. Because if we run to beat the liberals, then we will lose. But if we run because we know what we believe in and we stand for it with all our hearts, we have a chance. And I know that was a little vague, but I try not to be um, overly political on this podcast because the main thrust of this podcast, as speaking for him, is to encourage you on this Christian life. But we cannot go through this Christian life, especially with the liberties that we have in America, and not turn ourselves, at least on occasion, I usually do this about twice a year, to turn our mind and our thoughts to these issues because we've seen liberties erode as we've gone through the years and they will continue to do so unless we stand up for what we believe in. Um, Because there there are even times when people stop doing things because they've been persuaded that they're illegal only to find out that they had the right to do them all along if they had really thought about it and known the law and stood up for what they believe in. I'm just going to close with this funny tidbit, and that is um, a few years ago I was watching Monk. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's one of my favorite uh, detective shows, and it's um, for, for a crime drama, it's very clean, and my family really enjoyed it. Um, but one of the things, one of the uh, episodes, he saw a lady with a, a copy of the Constitution in her purse. And he said, I, I realize that you're not a citizen, but you're about to become one. And she said, how do you know that? And he said, because citizens don't read the Constitution. <laughs> and that stuck in my head because even though it was played for laughs, even though it was put on that show so that we would, we would all get a hearty chuckle out of it, it was also convicting to me that that was the case. That we, that we don't read the Constitution, that we don't know what the Constitution says. We allow people to propagate the myth of the separation of church and state. The separation of church and state is nowhere in the Constitution. Uh, the phrase comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson sent to a lady who was worried about America adopting a state religion or a federal religion, just like England had with the Church of England. And... Uh, Thomas Jefferson assured her that there would be a wall of separation between state and church. See, we have it backwards. We say separation of church and state means there can be nothing Christian about any of our civic duties. And what Thomas Jefferson is saying is it's okay to honor God. You should be free to honor God, but you should be free to honor him in your own way and not be told that that you can't. And we've twisted that and said, any mention of God is wrong. And we're reaping the rewards, or rather the consequences of this. Why do you think there are so many riots throughout the United States lately? It's because we've forgotten about what's really important in God's eyes, and that is for people to take responsibility for their actions, 
it's it's not a skin problem. Uh, you know, there is racism in America. Let me just put that out there. There is, I believe it, and it's wrong. But the predominant problem in our country today is a problem of sin. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So we need to get on our knees about all these issues and put our petitions before God and ask him to bless this country because only he can. I love this country, and that is why I talk about these issues because I want people to realize that now is not the time to lay down and die and roll over and let people take our rights. Now is the time to rise up, to speak the truth, and to be bold about it. And I encourage you to do that. That doesn't mean that you have to quit your day job and become a senator, or that you have to become a campaign manager for a candidate. But it does mean that when you step in the ballot box at the next election, that you think about what matters, that you think about the values that matter. If we're supposed to do everything to the glory of God, shouldn't that include the way that we legislate and the way that we run our country? I think it should. Adam, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Oh, boy, I don't know what I can add to that. That's <laughs> the nail on the head. Um, as we prepare for another election coming up next year, I guess just keeping in mind um, what I was always told about, just make sure to vote with your heart. Don't don't vote with your your wallet or or um, your your party, but vote with your heart because morally, where that candidate or for, soon to be president's heart is at, that's going to trickle into every decision and everything that goes on in this country and what's decision made why, made for this country. So, um, just keeping that in mind as as we already get ready for another election year. All right. Well, there you have it. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I I think that that some of my uh, Thoughts may seem a little scatterbrained. They they did to me as I was articulating them. But I, I will say it's kind of interesting. A lot of times I will uh, record these and then I'll hear the recordings back and I'm like, well, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> so that that being said, that is good. Um, I won't ramble anymore. I will just tell you um, to leave feedback with the contact information at the end of the show. If you like the show, pass it on. Uh, let people know where they can listen every Friday. Um, with that being said, I'll just tell you uh, that I will hope that you have a great weekend. And as always, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 